0: Hello and welcome to Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. In today's episode, I'm joined by naturopath and CNM graduate, Izzy Kirkby. Izzy is going to be talking to us about detoxification and how we can reduce our toxic load. She'll be sharing the harmful toxins lurking in our homes and the environmental toxins we're exposed to on a daily basis. Izzy is the founder of Izzy Living and a qualified naturopath. After discovering the power of plants on her own health journey, Izzy trained in naturopathy and nutritional therapy at CNM with the intention of sharing this knowledge with others. Her approach combines science and biochemistry with traditional naturopathic techniques so her clients can achieve optimum health and well-being. Hi, Izzy. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. It's great to have you
1: on the show. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: The world we live in today is so much more toxic than it was 10 or 20 years ago. So detoxification and reducing our toxic load has never been more important. You know, we're constantly exposed to these harmful toxins in the air we breathe, the food we eat, and through the products we put on our skin. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts and advice on the best detoxification practices. But before we get into the nitty gritty of detoxing, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, how your health journey began and what led you to study natural medicine?
1: Sure. Yeah. So in my my early 20s, I was at university. I was having a great time (laughs) drinking lots and sort of having all these usual vices. But when I moved to London to get a job, I noticed that I I couldn't cope um, getting up in the morning. I was so tired. And I think everyone can relate to feeling tired, but it was to the extent where I'd be falling asleep, not just in meetings, but just talking to people. I just could not keep my eyes open. It was it was quite extreme. And my sister is actually narcoleptic. So I thought I might have a sort of form of narcolepsy myself. So I got tested. I went to the sleep clinic and they said, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. And for me, it just felt like I was excited to get a diagnosis, but actually it was really disappointing because I was like, well, why, why do I feel like this? You know, I'm naturally quite sociable and I, I wouldn't be sort of seeing my friends because I'd be So tired. But I was quite lucky that, sort of fairly early on, when I was about, I think, 22, 23, a colleague of mine actually recommended a book on nutrition and how you could use nutrition to support with preventing and curing cancer. And I was like, what? Your food can be used to do this? This is insane. I've (laughs) never heard anything like it. So that sort of started my passion for nutrition. And I, I just thought, oh my gosh, if if I didn't know this, then that means so many people won't know this. So therefore, I decided to basically take this passion and study more. So I found CNM and I took the nutritional therapy and the naturopathic course at the same time. And during that journey, I, you know, when I started biomedicine, I was still falling asleep. Oh, <laughs> I no. These <laughs> severe fatigue issues, also sort of UTIs and other health conditions, which I worked through during the course, you know, experimenting with the different supplements or herbs that were recommended by the lecturers. And basically, by the, by the end of the course, I felt sort of comfortable enough in my own health and knowing enough of the sort of working with healing your body to then go out and use this experience also from the clinical experience from the course to then work with other clients.
0: Absolutely and that is the great thing when you're studying you get to try all these things out all the detoxes and all the potions and lotions so did you get to the bottom of what was causing the sleep issues? so
1: as as we all learn (laughs) studying naturopathy, um, the root cause of all diseases in the gut. And I definitely think it was a gut health issue because I removed gluten. Um, I did some gut work. I'm now sort of, I'm able to eat gluten again now, but I definitely, um, after removing gluten and then sort of adding it back in again, I'd be falling asleep straight away. So I think it was some form of intolerance, but then, you know, carrying on that journey so that you don't need to completely remove foods once you've healed your gut even more. So yeah, there's, there's d- definitely some uh, gut health work that I needed to do. Absolutely.
0: And it's amazing, isn't it? How just one food like that yeah. can have such a an effect on the body. Yes.
1: Yeah, completely. And in like unexpected ways. I think most people associate food intolerances with IBS. But yeah, there's yeah. a whole range of symptoms um, if you're sort of not digesting properly. Absolutely.
0: And I'd love to hear more about your gut healing protocols and the steps you took a bit later on when we talk about detoxification, that'd be really great. So going back to the course, what was like, apart from figuring out that your gut needed some healing, what was a, the light bulb moment for you? Was there a particular moment where it all sort of clicked?
1: Yeah, I think, so I, I, you know i came in with this fascination about using food as medicine and you know the the books that i read were very much quite scientific written by doctors pulling together the research which is not so widely known about the impacts that food can have on your body but what i loved about the course was sort of the naturopathic holistic approach that was combined with the science so mm-hmm. um, i think my real light bulb moment was studying iridology, which for people listening, um, that's basically using the iris as sort of a diagnostic tool. And so that was with one of the herbal medicine lecturers, well, head of herbal medicine, Peter Jackson-Maine, who's so inspirational. And that really taught Mm -hmm. me about sort of the metaphysical aspect of healing. You know, it's not just about food. um, It's also about sort of emotions, environment, which again, which is why detoxification is so important, but really taking a holistic approach um, to healing is just really the best way you're going to get results. So that was the real light bulb moment. Like, okay, it's not just what we put in our bodies, it's all these other factors that come together to provide us with health and vitality. Absolutely, I
0: couldn't agree more. And iridology is so fascinating. And we're going to get Peter on the show to do an episode on iridology and explain what that is, because the eyes are just so amazing. And what you can tell about your health from the eyes is really quite phenomenal.
1: Ah, yes, I can't wait to listen to that one.
0: (laughs) So since graduating from CNM, you've built a very successful practice as a naturopath specializing in women's health. So how did you get started and what took you in this direction specializing in this
1: niche? Sure. So, you know, when you're studying, it's so exciting because there are so many different routes that you can take into the wellbeing industry. So I had various different business ideas. I was like, okay, I'm going to invent this food um, or do this (laughs) service. But in the end, actually, um, through like doing the clinics and you, just getting my practice up, I realized that my passion was actually doing the consultation side. So working with people and trying to, you know, have an impact on their health, they feel like there's nothing more rewarding and, um, powerful than like sharing the knowledge that I have so that, um, yeah, people can apply it to their own lives and feel better. So yeah, I, I, got into doing the consultation side and then taking my passion. I started doing events and workshops and really just growing it quite organically so that I could you know, see clients, but then also reach people on a wider level. And I found that yeah, you know, I am sort of in, in my 30s, I am a woman, and therefore you tend to do attract the sort of clients um, that sort of reflect you. I think a lot of people fall into their niche by just getting uh, the clients through the door and then realizing, you know, they're, they're okay, I'm really able to help with this sort of stuff. So then, through word of mouth, you get more and more and more. So I did um, fall into women's health, and particularly hormonal imbalances. And I think this is why I've got a, a big passion for detoxification, just because of what we're seeing in terms of women's struggles these days with things like the fertility or polycystic ovarian syndrome, and endometriosis. It can all sort of be linked back to the changes in our environment as well. So yeah, really, I've been uh, yeah, working with uh, female clients so that they can feel better and yeah, just not feel like there's something wrong with them. Just work with them through nutrition, lifestyle and herbal medicine so that, yeah, they can live their, their best life that they want to live. So, yeah, I, I really, really enjoy sort of the hormonal um, side because it's just connected to everything.
0: Absolutely. Hormone health is huge and it affects, well most women, I would say, on some level, whether it's PMS or fertility issues or, you know, something like PCOS or endo. So yes, hormones are huge. So that that moves us on nicely to detoxification because you touched on it there and the impact it has, toxins in the environment have on our hormones. So you know, our bodies have to excrete hundreds of these toxins every day through our lungs and liver and digestive system. So, can you please talk us through how the detoxification process works and
1: how our organs excrete toxins? I'll probably start by saying that detoxification has probably got a bit of a bad rep from the scientific, uh, Western scientific tradition because. We do detoxify naturally, yes. Our bodies are excreting and they have these different mechanisms, like you said, through lungs, through your bowels to get rid of um, these chemicals they're exposed to. So a lot of people say, oh, there's no need to detox because your body does it naturally. And yes, there is totally an argument to support that. But what we do is support our body's ability to detoxify, because if not, you're applying sort of lots of handbrakes, and therefore you're going to get the symptoms of suboptimal detoxification. So yes, back to your question around how our bodies detox. So we're probably quite familiar with the fact that the liver is the main organ of detoxification. But what we're maybe less aware of is that um, as you said, we'll also be excreting toxins through, for example, the skin. We'll sweat out water-soluble chemicals. Through our kidneys, we'll pee them out. Through our bowels, obviously, that's required for eliminating a lot of toxins. So the liver, what it does, it transforms um, these chemicals. They might be from the environment or they might be naturally produced by the body. The liver will be rendering these toxins through three different pathways. So you have your phase one detoxification where the liver and also other cells in the body will break down these toxins into water-soluble chemicals. And then your phase two, these will be bound and transformed into a way that can be easily excreted out through the body. And then phase three is of the excretion. So what we do is we need to support phase one, two, and three processes through detoxification, which is another aspect why A lot of people have issues with detoxification because they may take on a protocol and they feel lousy, they feel rubbish, they get headaches and they get all these sort of symptoms. And that is when we're focusing just on phase one and we're ignoring the fact that we need to, once we've got these chemicals into our system, we need to excrete them safely and sort of very quickly so that we don't get these symptoms of too much chemicals in our bodies causing these reactions.
0: No, absolutely. And you're going to give some tips a bit later on to help support the body to reduce those side effects. So, talk to us a little bit about the hormones and how that works in the body in terms of excreting them out. And if we don't excrete them out and how they, you know, recirculate. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, this, yeah, as I said, this is really important because we are seeing the effect of the fact is our liver has to deal with so much. So, and um, we have toxins in our environment. We have heavy metals, we have uh, plastics, and we have all these different things that our liver is not used to dealing with. If you think about it, these chemicals have only been in sort of circulation in probably the last 60 or 70 years. It's sort of following World War II, the growth of the agrochemical business, basically launched this whole assault through pesticides, and plastics and just byproducts of the oil and gas industry so that we could have products which you know were very easy, like plastics, or you know, we can have preservatives so that our food can last for longer, we can bring them into the supermarkets. But we're we're paying a price because unfortunately these chemicals have not really been tested for their safety. Even the ones that have, they've not been tested in terms of their interactions within the body when you're exposed to multiple chemicals. And in addition, we also sort of are getting overwhelmed with them on a daily basis. So we're sort of paying the price for convenience. And even if you're living the most organic lifestyle, they're in our environment. We can't escape them, unfortunately, which is sort of the the tragic thing. And it, it can get quite overwhelming. But we are incredible people. We have these organs, like you said, the liver we've got our ability to detoxify, but the problem is is that the liver can get overwhelmed because, as I said, we're exposed to these things a lot. We might be drinking, we might be consuming a lot of processed foods, and therefore, the liver is sort of there. We're probably naturally know that we're dealing with you know some toxins from plants and also our hormones, and the liver gets overwhelmed, that it prioritizes sort of the really dangerous chemicals. And therefore, our hormones such as estrogen can get ignored. So what happens is estrogen actually is sort of a collective name for different types of estrogens. And we have more potent ones, which are linked with breast cancers, uterine cancers. So these sort of hormonal cancers. So we then Have these more harmful form of estrogens circulating around our body, and these can, as I said, they can be linked to cancers. But also, the effect of estrogens is that they can make us put on weight. They can clot the blood. They can give us sort of foggy thinking um, because of sort of. very estrogen is like a building hormone, so it's sort of associated as well with sort of the endometriosis, like the building of fibroids and cysts as well. So really, we can see a lot of common hormonal imbalance problems um, that many women and also men might be um, suffering from is linked with the fact that our body is not able to take on estrogen. And then in addition, it's very much connected to gut health because where our estrogen should be going through our bowels and getting excreted. But we have if we're not eating properly, then we might have an uh, more bacteria, which favorite food is estrogen. So it nibbles nibbles away the estrogen, which basically um breaks it apart and it allows it to recirculate within our body. So there's there again, there are lots of factors at play when we're looking at why we might be overwhelmed with hormones. Um, also, because very much hormonal imbalances are linked with ratios. If you have high estrogen, you're also likely to suffer from low progesterone symptoms because it's more about the ratios than the actual amount. So that's hopefully just one example. And also, we need to think about the fact that we're being exposed to synthetic estrogens in the environment. So um, plastics and metals, pesticides, they have an estrogenic effect in our body. So again, it's sort of additive to what we're experiencing. So I've I've gone on a bit, but hopefully um, that um, helps give some context in terms of why we need our liver to be functioning properly to just deal with our own sort of hormonal load.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for explaining that. No, because a lot of people won't be aware of that. So they'll think about the sort of natural estrogens in the body. But as you mentioned, like these plastics and pesticides and, you know, things that we find in our food are hormone disruptors and they're adding to the load and our bodies have to excrete these. So if we're not excreting them properly, as you mentioned, they're just recirculating and causing more of an effect and that's contributing to all these hormonal problems like PMS and PCOS, etc. So no, I think that's a really important point. So thank you for that. And I read recently that there are around sixty-two toxins found in our home, which is really horrifying. So it's not just in the environment; it's actually in our home inside. So, can you please tell us what some of these toxins are and where we can find them lurking?
1: Yes, sure. So, I I would recommend everyone to read the book "The One Hundred-Year Lie" by Randall Fitzgerald. Um, this actually introduced me to. What a scary environment that we live in in his book actually he takes us through sort of the the routine of most people so we'll be waking up and in our mattresses we'll have flame retardants um, bromine, which is um, a thyroid disruptor then we'll put on our toothpaste on our toothbrush, which has you know the toothbrush itself is plastic. the toothpaste contains fluoride uh, we'll then put on some perfume which has synthetic Fragrances and um, phthalates, which also are endocrine disruptors, we'll use our shower gels, which you know, also contain like parabens. That <laughs> <laughs> will like step across our carpet, which again is high in these sort of um, volatile organic chemicals. The paints and our walls uh, will then eat breakfast and that might be cereal which has you know been produced with uh, different pesticides so it does there's an accumulative effect that we need to be aware of when we're thinking about how we're making purchasing decisions and what we're putting on our body because the the really key thing to be aware of is that chemicals uh, which are used for cosmetic and um, beauty use have do not need the same level of testing as those ones that you'll be um, consuming internally. So the rigor is is not there yet. You've got to take the approach that you should not put anything on your skin that you would not put in your mouth because your skin can absorb these things. Even our clothes <laughs> contain endocrine disruptors, and these synthetic fibers have also been linked to um, yeah acting as xenoestrogens. So uh, like foreign estrogen like substances so really you have to I think going back to where I mentioned earlier taking a holistic approach you need to be looking at your home and thinking about what's in it and reading the labels because they're 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 quite clever because you can say fragrance and you don't have to detail what that involves so there could be all manner of chemicals making up a fragrance, but you legally do not have to say what they are on the label. So yeah, just watching out for all these things that basically comprise our household. And there are alternatives that you can think about um, so that you can start to feel more comfortable. Because they say the most polluted place is actually our homes. So when you step outside, the air is actually apparently better, which is very concerning. Yeah very concerning and very scary. Yes. And I, I, what I really like, the reason why I, I do this is to get the knowledge out there because, you know, I think everyone can smoke a cigarette. They've seen the warnings. They are taking on the risk for their lives. If they want to get lung cancer, that's fine. If they're happy with the risk, they're very aware of them. We are constantly told that smoking is bad. What we don't have is the education about the other risks that we're exposing ourselves on a daily basis. So we can't make that choice if we don't know that we have one.
0: No. And... The reason because of that is because all these products, you know, they've got all the marketing there. They want to sell it to us and they want to make money. And that's a scary thing, you know. And it's interesting you said about the fragrance and that's the same goes for like natural flavors. You know, we recently did an article about this on the CNN website all about sort of orange juice and how orange juice is touted as, you know, being 100% natural. when the reality is far from that, you know, and a lot of these have, fa- you know, they strip the oranges and take the oxygen and the flavoring out and then they have to put it back in with flavor packs, which have got all these chemicals and flavor enhancers and things in. But, you know, people don't know that that could have like 60 odd chemicals in there. All they know is that it's like a natural flavor. It's really scary because you don't know what you're putting in your mouth half of the time if you're having something that's processed or packaged.
1: Yeah, completely. It's very, very scary and worrying. Very. So, t- tell us that book again. Was it a hundred-year lie? Uh, yeah, the one hundred-year lie. Um, oh, one hundred-year lie. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we've been lied to for a hundred years about. Yes. Okay, <laughs> I a get it now. Environment. <laughs> right, and who is the author of that? Um, I th- Randall Fitzgerald, I think, is the okay. name. Um, but there's um, a. Uh, Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, um, he released a book, I think it was last year as well, called The Toxin Solution. So I'd recommend that as well, because it's got more recent sort of scientific evidence between the link between certain chemicals and sort of chronic diseases, whether it's sort of like diabetes, cancers, autism, etc. So of course, we're still in that stage where it's very much correlation but you know the evidence is becoming more and more out there that we really need to be looking at this as one of the root causes for why sort of we've got all these modern epidemics of um, different health conditions absolutely
0: now we'll put those in the show notes those books so people can check those out so that leads us on nicely to your tips and advice. So, how can we reduce our toxic load and detox our bodies and homes from all these harmful toxins and chemicals? You know, what can we do naturopathically through diet and lifestyle? Yes.
1: So, the first thing uh, we learn in naturopathic school <laughs> <laughs> uh, to address the root cause. So, obviously, we've got to start thinking about what we're putting in, what we're putting on our body, which I alluded to earlier. So therefore actually the benefits if, if you're not just concerned about your health you can think about the benefits in terms of cost savings and the benefits in terms of from an environmental perspective if we start making for example our own beauty products it's very easy to do <laughs> to actually make a nice like hair conditioner shampoo so you can you can think about doing that yourself. If you don't have the time, then just trying to find good quality alternatives out there on the market, which are sort of, I guess, cleaner in terms of the chemicals that they use. Think about your cleaning products. Again, we used to just clean with like vinegar and lemon (laughs) and baking soda. So there's a a lot of ways that you can reduce the impact that you're having on your environment just through small lifestyle changes. So doing some research and finding some alternatives, and it's actually quite fun. So once we've reduced sort of our load, we're also thinking about eating organic where possible. We're thinking about, you know, just generally cleaning up our environment, having some house plants, which also clean the air. We can also then start to think about supporting our body to detoxify. So usually there are probably levels of detoxification protocols. There can be some quite extreme ones, but in addition, there are just ways that you can support yourself on an everyday level. So what we know, we have so much evidence about the role that brassicas, so these are your cruciferous vegetables, your broccoli, rocket, pak choy, cauliflower, um, kale, all these lovely Uh, sort of dark green, bitter vegetables play in a role in supporting the detoxification process. So we want to be consuming lots of cruciferous vegetables. So when your mum told you to eat your greens, she was really onto something there. (laughs) What we know is that we're able to optimise our body's ability to detoxify because they contain like the phytonutrients that we rely on to Basically, support our body to do its job. Um, we also know that we need to have um, an adequate vitamin and mineral status because they there are lots of vitamins like B6, B12, magnesium, vitamin A. folate. they all also are required for the body to detoxify. So again, as well as your cruciferous vegetables, just having a really super broad healthy diet. You know, um, you might want to work with a naturopath and see if there's anything you need to be supplementing with. And then you can also think about these fantastic herbs that we've had studied, and um, which support sort of phase two detoxification. Are turmeric, rosemary, garlic, um, chizandra berry, milk thistle. So we have a whole arsenal of herbs, which again are like little superheroes coming in, supporting our body's ability to detoxify. So just. You know, doing some research and trying to incorporate them into a diet on you know a daily basis, then we know we're trying to remove what's going on. We're adding things that are going to help us detoxify. And then we need to think about our excretion. So as we said, the skin is a really prime way of sweating things out through our skin. So how can we support that? Okay, we can do skin brushing to remove some sort of the dry skin cells. We can get ourselves moving to promote sweat, we can go into saunas. And also if we're moving, that'll support our lymphatic system, which again, like, is one of sort of the it's a whole system uh, which is sort of dedicated to removing sort of impurities from the bloodstream. And that relies on movement and sort of lymphatic massage. Then also if we're we've got all these herbs for the liver, and luckily they also help our guts, <laughs> So right. we we can um Want to get our bowels moving. This is so key because a lot, a lot of my clients um have some sort of form of constipation. So we need to be, you know, very simple things like staying hydrated, um, having lots of fiber, getting moving will help with constipation. But then there are a lot of herbs, so bitter herbs as well stimulate our digestive enzymes so that we'll also be able to have a mild laxative effect. So things like your dandelion, burdock, Lots of, lots of lovely bitters, which we can also consume through food, you know, through chicory, um, rocket, all these sort of cruciferous vegetables also tend to be a bit bitter too. And also we want to think about our gut flora. So, um, I mentioned before that they can nibble up estrogen. They can also, you know, they love sugar. So they're going to also put more of a burden on the liver with, um, processing. Or the sugar. So what we want to do is think about probiotics. We want to think about fermented foods, which will also help get our gut in the right state so that we're able to excrete whatever's coming at us too. So you can sort of start by just incorporating really lovely principles into your lifestyle. and They'll really support you feeling a lot better, clearing up the brain fog, clearing up the fatigue, clearing up the skin. But You know, if you have got really severe conditions, then you can obviously work with a naturopath and there are other sort of more intensive detoxification protocols, you know, just looking at, for example, the ayurvedic system of Panchakarma that involves like, Animals vomiting, like a lot of excretion. Wow. <laughs> Which... Yes, get it
0: out, get the badness out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. So um, yeah, it's there's a big range, but I would generally just having that awareness so that we can start by um, getting the things that will support our body to do its job will be life-changing in itself. And going to the fact that there are some detoxification protocols where we want to bind the toxins as they're being excreted. So a lot of toxins are fat-soluble. So it's, it's easier for our bodies to get rid of water-soluble toxins, but the fat-soluble toxins, which is why it's super, super important to eat organic dairy, meat, anything that contains fat, that's a lot harder for our body to move. So this is why, again, if people enter like a weight-loss regimen, A, they might find it difficult to get some pockets of fat because our body wants to store these toxins as far away from our vital organs as possible. So you're gonna have it around your thighs, your arms, the classic places where (laughs) we hate that stubborn fat. But when you are able to get it moving, that can actually increase your toxic load. So you need to really think about binding the toxins as well, which is why people suggest things like chlorella, bentonite bentonite clay, pectin, these sorts of things. So again, probably something um, you want to do some research on talking to a naturopath if you are embarking on a real potent detox, because we do have the side effects of moving these toxins, which are just feeling rotten. And so things can go worse before you get better. So you want to work with someone that's going to help you take you through that safely.
0: Absolutely. I 100% Agree. You know, working with a practitioner who can support your body because again, everybody's different. So, you know, somebody might need some more support in another particular area, you know, and and as well, the naturopath can prescribe specific herbs for you in the right dosage and, you know, dosages would vary from person to person dependent on their weight and, and requirements. So some really great advice there. And I'm really glad you touched on the constipation, Izzy, because a lot of people won't be aware. Some people are so used to not going for days on end or being quite blocked up. And what's happening then again, is you're not getting those toxins out and all those hormones are circulating even more. And if you're experiencing those symptoms that you, you know, the brain fog and all of that, the constipation could be one of those driving factors,
1: couldn't it? Yes, uh, 100%. Um, it does, it does all go back to the bowel. And yeah, we really, we really want to be, you know, two to three times a day having a good, nice poo. <laughs> I, love, I think um, people when you know, they come into clinic, and you start asking them questions about how many times they pass the stool, what does it look like? Um, and they, you know, they get quite put off. But um, it's all good. sort of. No one gets like two phobic uh, <laughs> or rampoos. It's a very, very good thing to discuss. No,
0: absolutely. Us naturopaths love talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, fantastic. And also I love lemon water as well. That's another good one to, to get the bowels going and good for
1: cleansing lemon water in the morning. Yes, yeah, I I use that with a lot of clients actually. Thank you for bringing that up. And another really easy way, um, yeah, gets gets the liver going, gets the kidneys going. Such a nice way to sort of start the day. And you've you've got the benefits of you know a little bit of vitamin C, um, yep. and uh, yes, there are compounds in sort of the lemon peel, um, as well, which will support detoxification. So citrus fruit is another one that I didn't mention. And interestingly, um, sour is the flavor of the liver in Chinese medicine. So uh, getting in your sour foods will also support the liver. Fantastic!
0: Oh, some amazing tips and advice there, Izzy. Thank you so much. You've covered lots, um, so that will give lots of people things to think about and start implementing into their diet. You know, and the main thing is just getting back to bases. As as you said, you know, stripping back the diet, getting rid of the junk. You know, looking at what products you're putting on the skin. And for anyone who's listening, might be interested in learning more about natural skincare and how to make your own products cnm do a short course which you can also do online to teach you how to make these products and teaches you about natural skincare and nutrition the basics of nutrition and also how to make the skincare products yourself so that's a really good course to check out so let's talk about the gut health i know you've touched on it there so if somebody does have sort of leaky gut or inflammation in the gut what steps can they take to start healing that up what did you do when you had compromised gut function
1: yeah so I was as I said I was I did a lot of work whilst I was studying and so I did try Hi. some weird and wonderful things <laughs> <laughs> cabbage cabbage juice Ooh, um, but, <laughs> but it's, it's not for everyone but I think you know the standard protocol for healing up the gut is you know a, addressing going through what is causing this inflammation? What is causing the intestinal permeability? So what you want to do is start by looking at the the gut microbiome. So a lot of, I would say, you know, probably 90% of people might have more pathogenic flora than they would like, which might be triggering a lot of the problems in the first place. So what you can do is start by removing some of that flora. So you naturally a lot of compounds in fruits and veggies have this sort of antimicrobial effect. So if you think about like thyme, oregano, rosemaries, um all the spices, cinnamon, cloves. Um so if we were sort of consuming a broad diet rich in herbs and spices, then this would sort of naturally our gut flora would be naturally modulated. But what happens is, you know, we're going for processed foods, and we might not be doing as much home cooking. So we can bring in some more stronger antimicrobial herbs. So these, again, tend to be very bitter, sort of ranging from gentian, golden seal, wormwood. So there's mm-hmm. there's quite lots a lot of bitter. You know, some, <laughs> yeah, lots of, lots of um, stronger herbs that you can use to modulate your gut bacteria. So again, if you're going for a stronger protocol, uh, definitely worth working with the herbalist because you, you don't want to go in too heavy. No, <laughs> definitely not. But, but yeah, so the so the first thing would be, this is very much um, called the weed phase of um, this protocol. So the, the protocol actually sort of weed, seed and feed, which uh, uh, sort of underlies like the process of like healing up the gut. So we want to address our gut flora. Then we also want to encourage the growth of our lovely, friendly gut flora. So we can do that, as I mentioned before, through getting probiotics. So probiotics tend to only have like a few strains, but there has been research on specific strains of bacteria for specific conditions. So, you know, you can look to find which probiotic brand is the one that might help you. So it might be through like eczema or IBS, Mm-hmm. But then, what I love is fermented foods because you're using, you know, the, the all the natural sort of bacteria that's out there, yes. <laughs> so in the environment to. Get some really yummy foods that you can incorporate, you know, just have like a couple of teaspoons. I just advise people to like treat fermented food like a little condiment. So mm-hmm. having some sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, like, um, you know, the list is endless. You can basically ferment anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, bringing that into the diet, um, is something that a lot of people forget or or you know they 've not we 've sort of not been brought up with fermented food so much because of the advent of refrigeration, so connecting people with how people used to preserve foods is fantastic. Then what we want to do is also remove um, anything that might be triggering the sort of leaky gut, so as I told you, I found gluten to be you know really really damaging on my health, and um, some people might be sensitive to gluten. Dairy um soy, eggs, there are some common allergens um that you might be able to work through, so thinking about um a diet where you go through and eliminate each one to see how you feel, and you know there's a lot of nuances you know because some people find. Gluten really heavy, but actually it's sort of wheat and the process of making bread, because that contains lots of strange yeasts and sugars and chemicals itself. So people might find it just removing like one food type, like bread, rather than a whole um, group of grains. So you know, doing some experimentation. This is when you can like listen to your body, get in touch with your body, or you know, if you've got some money, you can also pay for some blood tests to look into that. So I would definitely go through remove and probably goes without saying, but you want to get rid of your alcohol, caffeine, sugar as well during this process. Yes. Then we want to soothe the inflammation in the gut. So yes, you can do this through things like cabbage juices, cabbage soups, or you can use herbs, things like slippery elm, marshmallow. Lovely. Um, these are lovely, yeah, lovely demulcent herbs, which go through your sort of guts and can form basically like a protective layer um, and feed some of that lovely bacteria that we want to promote. Um, And then, you know, if you're looking from a nutritional perspective, you can think about using um, glutamine as well. This sort of acts like a glue to like glue your gut wall back together (laughs) in some (laughs) of layman's terms. Um, And then, you know, throwing in some, again, some beautiful herbs like turmeric, which is again, super anti-inflammatory, supports our immune system. I mean, it supports the liver, like you could do like a whole podcast, just some turmeric. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's, yeah, just basically, I think going and bringing in sort of your herbs and spices, so you're managing it on a daily basis as well as sort of like through the aftercare. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I've sort of without, um, saying it specifically. So I mentioned the weeds, then um, we want to seed by adding in um, new forms of uh, bacteria and then feed. So we'll be also thinking about prebiotics, things that are rich in um, inulin, like our Jerusalem artichokes, dandelion, burdock. Um, and generally, yeah, there are lots of foods that we can use to feed our gut bacteria. And then at the same time, remove and repair. So I'm throwing, I'm combining a couple of protocols, but I hope that gives an idea in terms of the approach that people can take to, yeah, so- sorting out, working on their digestion. And it's amazing because, you know, our, our gut lining like um, replaces itself in a matter of days. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. constantly um, being shared and sort of regrown. So actually um, digestive conditions can be sorted out in a matter of weeks if you're you know really taking a dedicated approach to it so it's definitely um if you've got any issues then I really really recommend just taking a sort of a month 21 days and doing some sort of protocol working with a herbalist naturopath nutritional therapist and uh genuinely um I've just seen so many cases of like really really great results so yeah there is there is hope for anyone that's suffering out there Hurrah!
0: That's amazing. (laughs) No, because I think a lot of people they sort of experiencing all these symptoms, and you know, as you say, a lot of this can be cleared up by getting the bowels working, getting the liver working, functioning, and getting rid of these kind of things that are causing the problem in the first place. So, and I think that will give a lot of people hope, knowing that they, you know, it's not they have to do it for a year a detox. A detox should be sort of fairly short term to resolve
1: the issues that are going on. Yes. Yeah, completely. We just, we want to build the foundation so that we can then, um, you know, start using our diet and lifestyle to manage our health. And then, you know, when we need a detox, you know, you can do one, you know, spring, spring detox or turn yes. to season if you need, a, a, need an extra boost. But yeah, what we really want to do is focus on basically teaching people how they can use just their, their food intake as Food is medicine. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Couldn't agree more. And you know, you touched on it there. Getting in touch with your body. Don't follow the faddy kind of detoxes that you got to just drink lemon juice for for a week, or you know, these kind of fads that that circulate because yeah. people do it and then they feel really ill and awful, and they're like, "Oh, I'm never going to detox again." And as you've said, you know, do it properly you know, if you want to sort of go all out and heal up your gut, do it under the guidance of a practitioner a naturopath and herbalist. So, um, yeah, amazing tips and advice there, Izzy. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for having me. No, it's been wonderful. And I, I think our listeners definitely would have got a lot out of that. And um, yeah, some brilliant tips and advice to, to get started and start detoxing our homes and oh.
1: bodies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fantastic yes everyone needs to start uh, Yeah, getting detoxing <laughs> definitely well look
0: that's all we've got time for today thanks for listening and a big thank you to Izzy for sharing her knowledge and expertise with us you can find all the information we discussed today and more about Izzy in the show notes on the CNN website at www.cnm.com podcast.com and if you're interested in learning more about nutrition herbal medicine or naturopathy check out cnm short courses nutrition for everyday living or herbs for everyday living or one of the diploma courses for a more in-depth study program join us again next week when i talk to nutritional therapist annie breen about the gut brain connection and how it affects our mental health thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.